1: 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic coming up here momentarily. Of course, senior college football writer for The Athletic. We love it when we get a chance to talk to Stuart. We'll get his take on uh, just how good the Utes really are. You going to ask him if you think, well, no, I mean, I, I wonder. You going to ask him if you think uh, this Utes team could be better than the 0
2: you know, I don't know whether he would, he would be as clued in on that as, as we are. You know, not that any of us really knows for sure.
1: Uh, But no doubt about it, this this Utes team is a little bit different. And depending on who USC decides to hire, this is probably the perfect time to have a really good team.
2: Let me ask you this. Do you think Urban Meyer was was
1: rooting for Oregon to crush USC? I don't know because all this— Does he want it or not? All this stuff comes out that maybe USC doesn't want him. Uh, yeah, you I know. know, in fact, we can we can ask our next guest uh, all about that whole situation. Uh, joining us now on the Sprint special guest line, lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. It makes the magic happen at the Athletic. He is Stuart Mandel with us on the Big Show. Hi, Stuart. Thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Hey, we're great. Uh, so, where's Urban Meyer coaching next year? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um. You know, if it's not USC, I'm not sure it'll be anywhere. I don't think he's itching to get back into coaching so much that he would take just any job. And I heard you guys just now talking about it a little bit. You know, I think there's a little bit of hesitation on both sides right now. I mean, nobody really knows what Urban Meyer wants to do. Um, but I don't know that he's made it obvious one way or the other that he definitely wants to get back into coaching or he definitely doesn't. Um, but, you know, I think as USC, is about to hire a new athletic director, and obviously um, decisions will to be made here soon. To me, it's not clear that the the key decision-makers there, and especially their new president, are all that comfortable with hiring Urban Meyer and all the off-field stuff that happened last year and and the disciplinary issues going back to Florida. Um, I think any time there's coaching opening, though, at a school like that, um, many, many different people will have voices in it, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that think they should move heaven and earth to get him, and there might be others who don't
2: hmm what what do you think uh what do you think the truth is with that do you think how i guess the question is how mu- how attractive is urban meyer as uh is he one of the top two three candidates for any job in the country or has this off the field stuff that you were talking about there tarnished him to the point where not so
3: well i think if you're talking just football he Uh, Yeah, as of last year, you would say, who were the best coaches in the country? Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, or Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and Davos Swinney. So there's no argument there. I mean, if he became USC's coach, I would expect them to be really good in a really short amount of time. But I do think the events of last year with Zach Smith, um, and that's not even getting into these health issues, they're very, uh, I mean, let's not forget he was bent over on the sideline in anguish from the headaches related to his brain cyst multiple times on you know, you'd be watching the game on T V and see that happen. Um, and I he is not as far as I know is not addressed publicly whether he's that anything about that has changed. So uh I just don't think it's as, as and I think a lot of USC fans, or a lot of people, just assumed, oh, it's a kid, and They're gonna fire Clay Helton. They're gonna hire Urban Meyer. And I think, if anything, we're we're finding out that it's not that uh,
2: simple. An interesting thing about that, Stuart, is that I remember sitting down and eating lunch with Urban Meyer when he was coaching the Utes here, and this was a long time ago. And he and he talked all about his headaches back then. And he and he he said to me, he said, "There's no way I'll be coaching by the time I'm 50." And I I kind of laughed out loud at that, but uh turned out that he wasn't really joke. I mean, the, the, it, I guess he lasted a little longer than that, but not much.
3: It sounds like, I'm trying to remember the chronology here. I mean, he has had that condition, I think, since he was an assistant at Notre Dame. He had a surgery a few years ago. I don't remember exactly when that was to try to alleviate it, but it seemed like the last two years. Going back, I remember the Penn State game in 2017. It was a big issue. Yeah. Um, and then there was one game last year where, uh, my my colleague and buddy Bruce Sheldon was a sideline reporter and was there on the sideline and watched him, come, you know, come on down on one knee and like clearly had to collect himself. So it's a serious thing, you know, and, and I think it's very easy for us on the outside to say like, oh, you know, if he wants to do back to coaching, he'll be the next coach at USC. You know, that is a factor that has to be considered as well.
1: Stuart Mandel from The Athletic here uh, with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Stuart, your thoughts on the Utes uh, coming off this run since the USC loss where they really were just uh, killing teams and then overcame a little adversity against Washington to get a big road victory. Where are you at on the Utes right now?
3: Yeah, the Utes, they've been very impressive. And, And as you get distance from that USC game, I think it's easier to go back and say that that was a bit of an isolated event. That was some really good USC receivers who burned some really good Utah defensive backs, who since then have been lights out. So, uh, and I think obviously, you know, I mean, this is the first time in years that I that they have a quarterback who uh, is not just you know competent, but is actually ex- you know extremely efficient. And uh, you know, right now i would say he's been the best uh, quarterback in the Pac-12 this season. So, I think they're in really good shape as long as he stays healthy, Zach Moss stays healthy. Uh, I fully expect to see them. Uh, in Santa Clara, and I would at this point be surprised if they're not eleven and one going into that.
2: If they were to beat Oregon, if all that happened, uh, do they have a shot at a playoff spot, Stuart?
3: Yeah, if you're a twelve and one Power Five champ, you're going to be on a very very short list on that last night of the season. I mean, it would be. It just kind of depends on what happens in some of the other conferences. Obviously, there's a lot of talk already about the LSU-Alabama loser, uh, you know, being able to possibly beat out one of the other conference's champions, and I think while this one hasn't gotten as much attention, it's a very parallel situation there with Ohio State and Penn State. It'll be, uh, if it comes to that, whether it's Utah, Oregon, uh, whoever, it'll be the ultimate test of, of how important is winning your conference. The committee has kind of given us conflicting messages of that over the years. There have been some teams that got anointed, and they would say, because we value conference championships, and there's been other times where it didn't seem to matter as much. So, uh, But at the very least, they would be you know, right there in the thick of it. And the fact that they would probably get to beat a top-ten team in the Pac-12 championship game would certainly help.
1: What are your thoughts on Oregon? How uh, for real are the Ducks?
3: Uh, I got to see them in person this past week. They were obviously extremely impressive against USC. Um, I think that getting their uh, receivers back and healthy, guys like Jawan Johnson, who weren't playing uh, over the first half of the season, has really um, made a difference. Uh, but that being said, you know, just the week before that, they were very fortunate to survive against Washington State. They've been um, they've had some scares, to say the least, and. I mean, the good news is they they can beat you a lot of different ways. You know, one week it's the running game, uh, one week it's Justin Herbert. But even with that, you know, they've showed at times to be vulnerable.
2: Has there been a team this year, Stuart, that you've watched and studied and just thought, wow, okay, this team I think is the best team in the country?
3: Yeah, I mean, right now I'd say it's Ohio State. Uh, They're they're the only one that just hasn't been touched, really. Uh, And they've played – at first every now it's such a soft schedule I and mean, then you look down like some of these teams have turned out to be better than we expected. Uh, now they haven't played um, they haven't played a game like LSU and Alabama are going to play this weekend, obviously. That opportunity will come eventually against Penn State. But right now you look at them and you're like, Man, they've got fantastic quarterback, fantastic running back, great receivers and you know, the most disruptive uh, pass rusher in the country in Chase Young. Uh, it just seems like they've got it all together.
2: One of the really interesting aspects to this process for qualifying for the playoff, to me, is the the part that a team has no control over. They have no control over how good the teams they're playing end up being, you know, and it's it's not they're held responsible in a way for somebody else's lack of uh, greatness, and so. But that's all a part of this process as it's set up,
3: and especially the non-conference part of it, and you know, I'm, it's always been a pet peeve of mine why these schools schedule those games. I mean, we're, we've seen announcements this year of games that are going to be played in 2036. In basketball, I realize that scheduling a football game involves more logistics than a basketball game. But in basketball, the coaches literally say, like, well, I think I've got a young team. I've got a young team coming back this year. We're going to take it a little bit easier. Or, you know, I think we've got a chance to go to the Final Four. We need quality non-conference wins football. You schedule a game for ten years in advance. You have no idea. You know, in Oklahoma scheduled UCLA. They had no idea if they would be uh, a ten-win team this year, or a two-win team, or somewhere in between. So, uh, I've talked to committee members about that in the past, and uh, I don't get much. I don't get the sense that they are interested in like giving you credit for scheduling the game. It's just the schedule is what the schedule is, and you just got to evaluate them based on that.
1: Stuart, explain what's going on at, uh, at Florida State to me. They didn't want to pay Jimbo Fisher, but yet they'll eat $20 million to get rid of Willie Taggart.
3: Well, I don't think the Jimbo Fisher thing came down to I mean, yeah, Texas A&M just, just gave him the, the – I mean, still, even a couple years later, the most outlandish contract in the history of the sport. I don't think that was a matter of, well, Florida State didn't want to pay that. They no, Not many people could pay that. But the Willie Taggart hire seemed kind of doomed right from the first game, and they got – destroyed on national television on Labor Day night against Virginia Tech, and it just never really got better uh, for Willie Tiger. Um, and it seemed, I think, this Miami game this past weekend, you know, was the final straw, they got embarrassed by their rival at home. And then, another, and then beyond the, there, the the football product, I mean, Florida State is not um, Alabama where 100,000 people go to the stadium no matter how they're doing. You see a game at Doe Campbell this year. It's half empty. Their season tickets are down substantially. So as as expensive as $17 million is, and it it is, they're losing that much or more uh, in donations and unsold seats um, by a fan base that doesn't have any faith in the coach. So I think they felt like they couldn't wait anymore, have to go ahead and make a change or risk losing that fan base entirely.
2: Stuart, those uh, college football playoff rankings come out. Uh, we'll do you uh, coming up here pretty quick. Uh, any surprises here, or will it be Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson?
3: The one I'm interested to see how they treat is Alabama because they have stayed number one or number two in the 18 coaches' polls all season, but they've played by far the weakest schedule of those contenders. And it just kind of feels like they're there because they're Alabama. So. The committee, which their whole job is to base, you know, base it on schedule strength, are they going to feel the same way? Is Alabama going to be one or two in the committee tonight, or are they going to be further down? My hunch is it'll be Ohio State, LSU, either you know, one of them will be one and one of them will be two, and Alabama will be three, but I could be wrong. They could say Alabama dominated everybody they've played, and we think they're really good. If you go in the other direction and say that Clemson should be higher, uh, that's the part that's interesting to me.
1: Stuart Mandale of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stuart, over the summer you kind of wrote a hypothetical about uh, super conferences with all the blue bloods in college football. Uh, what what do you think about this pay-for-play stuff that's uh, that's going on in the NCAA trying to figure out a model that would work? Do you think that would make uh, the, the super conference thing more or less likely?
3: Yeah, I think they're kind of linked together. It's not an easy you know way to get from one to the other, but it would stand to reason that if um, nil payments do become kind of the the law of the land and whether that's by the government making it that way or the ncaa taking upon themselves to do it obviously there are certain schools that can afford that and there are certain schools that can't Um, and there's certain uh fan bases where i don't know there's an opportunity to exploit that more than others so I don't think that's something that's right around the corner. But if we see college football become more professionalized um, in terms of how the players are compensated, then it would stand to reason that something like the super conferences, where the you know the blue bloods to get together and sell their own TV product, yeah, it would stand to reason that those two could go hand in hand. It's just a matter of um, you know how radical is this going to be. The NCAA is trying their darnest to um, accept that they have to do something, but try to make it as um as modest as possible and i think that legislators for the most part the ones that have, like in california that have passed these bills are not looking to limit it they want the athletes to have the ability to go out and make as much money as there's a market uh, for it and uh it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out
2: Stuart, are you surprised that Penn State has been able to rebound from that uh, tragedy that took place there? Uh, and uh, I guess are you surprised that, they've been, that the program has been able to bounce back?
3: I'm surprised they bounced back as quickly as they did. I mean, they, those, those sanctions came down in 2012, summer of 2012, and the feeling at the time was that's going to send them into the Stone Ages for at least the rest of this decade. And four years later, they won the Big Ten. Now, the NCAA did roll back uh, some of those penalties a couple years in, but that that team that won the Big Ten was still definitely you know built on um, limited recruiting classes. So, obviously, cre- first credit to Bill O'Brien, who kept it going when they easily could have uh, just completely cratered. And then James Franklin is just a fantastic recruiter and a really good coach and has taken it to the next level. So, uh, at this point, we're seven years removed from it, so it's not necessarily um, – as connected anymore and the fact that they are a the top five team right now but the fact that they won the big 10 in 2016 and kind of kick-started this whole thing that to me really happened faster than expected
1: Stuart, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much for carving out a few minutes for us
3: all right thanks for having me
1: thank you Stuart mandel of the athletic uh, senior college football writer he's always terrific
3: you
2: think the folks in Minnesota are thinking that the Gophers have a chance to uh, get to the playoff? Well, we'll see if it happens. I, 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 I don't – if you're – my daughter lives in Minnesota. Not anymore. So, but Minis- – what, what
4: not
1: anymore?
2: I don't know. Minnes- Doesn't live in Minnesota anymore. <laughs> ah. Minnesota, 8 and Oh. And the coach just signed like an extension into like forever, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and I just saw him on a list to possibly take the Florida State job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Contracts don't mean anything. No, they don't.
1: No, but, they don't. But,
2: <laughs> it's just not a name that naturally comes to mind when you think of Big Ten powerhouses.
1: No, no, it does not.
2: All right, I'd almost root for it just because well, my my daughter used to live. In Minnesota,
1: you a big Gopher guy? As a result, <laughs> not really. You a Gopher fan? <laughs> uh, it's just it's
2: just fun to see a different name, you know. It's kind of fun to see. Speaking of programs with troubles, Baylor was an absolute mess, and they're undefeated this year.
1: That one really surprises me. Yeah, I thought that they would. I thought that they would take a while to the come back from Briles that whole thing. thing? I uh, want to remind you, purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. More Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo
0: Joe. The Joe Engel Show with DJ and PK. PK. What do you think of load management in October? I don't like it, but in saying that, I would obviously never judge anybody's personal situation or whatever, unless you know what's going on. I've always tried to play every game I possibly could. That's just me. I just would rather play if I'm healthy. Why not play? I think the flip side of that is obviously the fans, and the organization. These people put a lot of money into us playing and spending a lot of money to watch us play. So for me, I feel like I should go out there and try and do the best I can. Oh, uh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Lisa just mentioned on the Coordinator's Corner Show that after the USF loss, you took a bigger role on defense. That's you know, something that they
4: welcomed. Can you kind of describe what, what what you've taken on in that responsibility?
2: Just coaching football, you know, and just trying to get our guys in the right spot. So I think Coach Tuyaki and the, and the rest of the coaches do an amazing job. They had some great adjustments that we've made even in this game against Utah State. And I oversee the whole team, and so I'm going to be involved in all three phases. And so I trust those guys, and whatever I can do to help out and help us win games, I'm going to do
1: that was Kalani Sataki answering a question from our very own Jake Hatch. Welcome on back, 975 and 1280 of the zone at the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. What do you think about those uh those comments, Gordo? Uh Kalani having an active role in uh in kind of I guess the the minute by minute planning of the offense and defense. Well
2: he is the head coach, right? I never have a problem with a head coach getting involved. Even Kyle Winningham in the offense? Yeah. I mean, it's his (laughs) job. He's the head coach, you know? I mean, you might not necessarily agree with what the head coach's uh, philosophy is, but it's his responsibility. It's his program. It's his team. Uh, That's that's sort of what he has to do. Now, I think one of the most important aspects to a head coach and and properly uh, taking care of his responsibilities is his judgment, you know? to know what the right direction to head uh, is. Whether it's offense or defense, special teams, whether it's a decision on the sideline during a game, whether it's a game plan, uh, he's sitting in the meetings, he's listening to what's going on, and I imagine that he has an inclination one way or the other in just about everything, or he
1: should. I I agree, but let me let me look at it a little differently for okay. a second, though. Um I think ideally most coaches would like to go follow the Lavelle, with the Lavelle Edwards model where I'm going to hire amazing coaches that are going to make me look really good and I'll oversee the big picture and I'll make the, the major decisions and I'll rubber stamp what these guys want to do but really I want these great coaches to, to be free to to get the job done. I think in an ideal world that's where most head coaches want to be. Yeah, you're probably and, right. And well, if, what about if, and if wh- you feel like you need to step yeah. into the room uh-huh. and and micromanage. You might not have the right guys.
2: But is it micromanaging really? If, if if a decision comes down that and you sit there and go, well, you know, I I'm not sure that's the best idea. No, no assistant coach, certainly not coordinator, wants to be overridden. You know, no. But on occasion, I, I think it's called for. And and sometimes you know, a guy like Lavelle Edwards. Uh, he <laughs> Lavelle was pretty confident in who he was you know I mean people always say that he delegated and he wasn't really I think he was more involved than, than maybe he got credit for That that's just my opinion I, well, that's I've heard m- others say otherwise but uh, I, I think he was a pretty good judge when it came to these I don't know how to I guess I would
1: categorize them as wisdom calls yeah, but I well, I was just using that as an example of the ideal world. You know, I, I'm with you on Lavelle. I'm not trying to make some sort of specific judgment about him personally. I'm just saying I, in an ideal world as a head coach, you don't want to have to hold folks' hand through, through meetings and oh. game plans and that sort of stuff. You don't want that. And, and if, if you feel like you have to, I'm just saying if I were him and I felt like that was something I have to do, uh-huh. well, I'd want to fix that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
2: And if you are that strong assistant coach, coordinator or otherwise, who wants to have some guy come in and, and erase the board and tell you to do it again? Nobody. Nobody. So you're, you're right. That's why you were hired. Your area of expertise is that. Right? Exactly. But on occasion, maybe it's not so bad to have somebody say, you know, that's a really good idea. And I think you're you're doing a great job, son. But, but in this particular situation, how about if we give this a try? I, I think that's all right, too. If it happens every time, then you do have a problem. You well, mean
4: like, uh, you know, this guy's running up the right side of our defensive line for a lot more yards than he's ever had in his life combined. Why don't we try to stop that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the, the same issue happened to Bronco, and he handled it by – Completely. Uh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, who was the defensive coordinator? Briefly, that. Uh, oh yeah, Jaime Hill, yeah. who basically ruined Jan Jorgensen's career. <laughs> uh, but Bronco realized that that wasn't working, and done midseason Here's your here's mm-hmm. your stuff. He and then he over. did it again with mm-hmm. Nick Howell. However, he did not fire Nick Howell. He just demoted Nick Howell. But he didn't he didn't beat around the bush and be like, "Well, I had to get a little more involved this week." He just said, "Okay, that's not working." And if I if I have to you know take over, I'm taking yeah. over. You have to do it for the benefit of the team, right? And and what is you Nick know, still with Bronco? He is uh, still with, with Broncos? Bronco.
2: Uh-huh. How are they doing, by the way?
1: You know what? I haven't. Uh, I uh-huh. think they beat North Carolina last week. Yeah, did they? Uh, they're still atop their division, I believe. But anyway, uh-huh. well, uh, yeah, that, you know that's a really interesting study.
2: And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be fun to to be able to listen to those conversations that go on? between head coaches and and the assistants. I've been, I I was privileged to sit in on a couple of meetings, and it was interesting, the exchanges. Um, But I think the smart coaches do give their competent assistants a wide berth. But if they need to, don't hesitate to step in.
1: Well, I'm just saying if you have to step in, you might want to think about that when you're well, evaluating things well, after the you season. Have to step that's in my over
2: and over and over again, but on occasion, I think it's okay to step in.
1: uh to step in to keep your defense from being last in the country in rushing. <laughs> <The> rush defense? <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm. I'm just bah. saying. I got. Hey, if I if I'm Kalani, I do the same thing. You're, he, he was in a desperate situation after that South Florida loss. The desperation factor was mm-hmm. extraordinarily high yes. down there. Yep. They had to. They had to beat Boise State, and they had to beat Utah State. And if that meant that that Kalani had to hold some hands, well, he was going to do that. But I'm just saying, if I were him. I'd I'd be asking myself why is this necessary that I got to hold some hands.
2: That Boise State win may be Kalani's biggest win ever.
1: Well, it came at the time that he needed it the most. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. You know, that win at Wisconsin was was pretty amazing. You know, he's got to win at Michigan State. I mean, there's. There's some big wins you can. I mean, the USC this year, that's a huge win. But but he needed that win Mm -hmm. absolutely the very most. By the
4: way, when are we going to dinner on that, Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, when are we going to dinner on that? Uh, You uh, lost
4: a bet almost two years ago when we're still. And I
2: have tried to pay that bet, but you guys like holding it over my head.
4: I don't remember that. I don't remember that either, Austin. I never remember getting an invitation.
1: No. Don't even remember Gordon, you know, suggesting a date.
4: I remember a night when you were here to do a Jazz Pre half and post game show, and I was here to do something else, and you said, Hey, you guys want to go to dinner now? Yeah, right. When we had- At the media
2: room? Yeah, but I've asked you a couple of other times, and uh, you said, Austin, you in particular said you were busy. When? Uh, over a year ago.
4: I don't, do you remember that, Jake? No, I, I actually no, don't. I do. Because I, I don't was rejected. That. You guys
2: didn't want to go. <laughs> I was
1: rejected.
2: My feelings were hurt. Here, I was trying to. Hold up my end of the deal. Oh, I, I'll do that. Let's do it. Just figure out a time.
1: I'm just disappointed in you. That's all. <laughs> I, I never took you for a welcher. I'm not a welcher. I have you, not forgotten. I've known you for years and admire your integrity. And I would not have I would not have taken you as a welcher. That's okay, all. We're,
2: we're, we uh, let's go within three weeks of this particular date. And where are we going? Where do you want to go? Someplace
1: really nice. <laughs> Is it just the three of us? I want
4: lobster.
0: Hmm.
4: Well, part of me kind of thinks buffet in Wendover. Oh, I was, i you know—I've never been to Wendover. See, oh, Wend- and that's, then we could we could, we could really make we could really make a let's night make, out of let's it.
2: Let's make it convenient. Let's let's go
4: somewhere nice wait, around wait, wait. here. Your, your opinion does not matter here. <laughs> and, right. And, uh, the bet was anywhere in Utah. <laughs> right. And our wives. Does Sizzler serve uh, lobster? Uh, a variation of it, yeah. They uh, do?
1: Sizzler has lobster? I don't know that. <laughs> uh,
4: pick Substitute? A, let's, know.
2: let's pick a night and let's get this done. Okay. <laughs> because I don't want to hear it from you guys anymore. Not that I'm not happy to hold up my end of the deal, but it's been going on for two years now we're aware is it mm. two years how long has it been
1: I don't know it's been a little over a year yeah, a It was. Over a year. it was last year yeah, but right. again I I just did not take you as a you know I'm not Welcher I'm that's, not that's all uh, that's all I've got
2: I'd, I'd be happy to hold up my end of, of that uh, but Austin where do you want to go I told you I want lobster do you have a favorite restaurant
4: uh yeah that you never go to yeah it's on the the big island <laughs> <laughs> I mean right here. Right here in our humble abode here. I'll have to. There's so many. Honestly, there are so many good restaurants right here downtown. I'd have to think through it, but I like Mexican food. Do you? Yeah. I'd Authentic Mexican. Mexican food. Is, yeah.
1: is that expensive enough, though?
4: No.
2: So you, that's why I want a a lobster. Minute, right. No, I want you guys to get what you really want.
4: I don't want you to punish me. And I want Cristal. I'll never drink it. but <laughs> I'll have yours. Oh, fine. Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, thank you.
1: This is this is gonna be bad. It is gonna be bad. And and uh, all this welching, you're you're just deserving it really.
2: Welching, I am not welching. I'm perfectly I'm perfectly willing.
1: Let's do it. Uh let's see here. Uh my uh, my wife just texted me, says, uh tell Gordon anytime, anywhere.
4: Wait, uh, Well no, not anywhere. Are, I mean, are, wait, are the
2: wives invited too? Yes, you said you did I say. Did, did yes. I forgot that part? Well, at least I'd enjoy their company.
4: Yeah, you said that before, too, in that way. Yeah, that's a little weird.
2: <laughs> a little weird?
4: That's a little weird.
1: I love Naz. I love Whitney. Yeah, we know. <laughs> it's not weird. Uh, you're kind of saying about you enjoying. No, do not. No, no, I don't want you enjoying their company.
2: Well, then why go? <laughs> uh, I'm not talking to Chester in involved here. He's not invited.
1: Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Port. Stay yeah, tuned. Yeah, then uh, Bowler is in the house for the 5 yeah. o'clock hour. It yeah, is it's, the big show.
0: It is. Annoying.
1: Stop it. <laughs> 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. <laughs>
0: This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton.
1: Monday night football. A cat gets on the field, man. Of course it does. Running around. Started in the red zone. Smart. I get the feeling that if I had to be involved with that cat, that would have made us keep it.
4: Oh yeah, that cat would be at your home now. Although I would have traded out Spazzy in a second. Four cuddles? A football cat? For Spaz? <laughs> Done. A football cat. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this cat's famous. This cat scored more touchdowns than I ever did. Hey Spaz, uh, uh, I'm going to do this this like an NFL coach is going to do it. Bring your playbook and uh,
4: bring your food bowl. All right, you're both going <laughs> to run a 40 and whoever finishes first. <laughs> spazzes on the trade block. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not sports report. I obviously requested this today on a total request Tuesday. Not Sportsport, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online Used Cars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Do you like jeans? Yeah, I got new jeans over the weekend. Did you? Uh-huh. Do you wear them
2: a lot? You wear jeans a lot. I'm, uh, I do wear them a lot. Uh, Austin, are you a jean wearer on a regular basis? You bet. Okay, I am as well. I love jeans. I love jeans. Uh, t- I love wearing jeans, and I think... Uh, I, I think they just look good and they're built for comfort and uh, they're, I like the casual nature of them. I like the fact that they wear the way they do. And, and I, I'll i tell you one thing. I I love my wife in a pair of jeans. I, that's uh, that's something I like, but that's probably a little too personal for you. Anyway, okay, so here's the question. Here I'm is, tight jean guy. Not skinny jean, but I'm tight jean guy today. A little too snug, got him out of the wash <laughs> and <laughs> shrunk up a little bit. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Well, okay, so the question at hand is, how often should gene wearers wash
4: said jeans? This is going to be useful for me, because I wash every 10 to 15 days, I wash my jeans. And how many How many wears? Uh, three to four, each pair, yeah. Three to four? How about you, Jake? Oh, probably more. More often, or more wears? More wears. That's a,
1: it's like the best part about jeans. Jake's like, you wash jeans? They don't, you don't have to wash them every time. According to a report, all you people who uh, wear
2: jeans a lot and love your jeans, washing them everywhere or two, you're washing them too much, according to this. That's what uh, multiple designers and experts from denim brands have told USA Today The fabric on denim is thicker than a T-shirt and you're, you know, hopefully if you're wearing a layer of underwear under your jeans, which I'm not going to get into that. But uh, if you do, then concerns about bacteria are likely unfounded. In 2017, Jake, a student at the University of Alberta wore jeans for 15 months straight without washing 15 months how many wears would that be it's a lot that's a lot of wears that that, that, that is a lot and they contain the same bacteria levels as they did when he wore them for less than two weeks how about that
1: never washing my jeans again
2: Apparently, a report issued by Levi's in 2015 says that washing jeans every 10 wears instead of every two times reduces energy use, climate change, impact and water intake by up to 80 percent. And Levi's CEO, a fellow by the name of Chip, he confessed to not putting his jeans in the washing machine for over a decade Wow! How about that? A decade—that might be pushing it a little bit. So, how often should you wash your jeans? I guess you can do it as often as you want, but you don't have to wash them all the time. You, you can go a month without washing them, as long as they as long as they don't start to smell. I guess if they start to smell, you might not want to wear. Them. Or if you have some sort of situation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But otherwise, like if someone spills something on them and you don't want to walk around with spaghetti sauce on your jeans, then obviously you might want to wash them. But just from regular wear, here it is, folks, a tip. You don't have to wash them all the time.
1: Although you should – I wash new jeans a bunch because you got to – Oh, yeah. You Soften got, them up a little oh, bit. yeah. You can't wear jeans right off the rack. Are you kidding me? In fact, that was my number one criteria when buying new jeans over the weekend. We went up to the outlet store, and I just went into the the gal who helped me out, and I said, I just want jeans that are going to end up being soft.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a good way to go. Uh-huh. So
4: sweats that look like jeans? Exactly. Well,
2: the other thing about jeans is you can get all kinds of different cuts. Nowadays, a lot of women are wearing those high-waisted jeans, those mom jeans type things, you know, and... I don't know. Do you like those, Austin?
4: No, nah, whatever. Whatever you're comfortable in, as long as you're covered
2: Jake, up. you, you like them. Or you, you know, the the low, the uh, low, low around the hip kind of thing. Or some women wear the big baggy jeans, or some are men, and some women also wear those 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 stretchy jeans that that are like almost like a uh, a yoga pant or something. You know, really a lot of women, and I, and I have no problem with those. I mean. I mean,
1: they they look awfully comfortable. You've you've invested a lot of time and energy uh, studying women's jeans. What? what a surprise! Oh,
2: at my house? Are you
1: kidding me? You know
2: how many pairs of jeans I've bought through the years?
1: Because mm-hmm. so, that's what
2: you were uh, talking about. Exactly. Uh huh. It's all about the comfort.
4: See, okay. this this is how often you have to wash your jeans. Every time you go in a public restroom, they got to be washed. <laughs> uh, that's the rule. <laughs> Why? Really? What are you? I got a few slideshows I can show you. you The break here. What are you touching with your jeans? I'm not touching anything, but the jeans are touching everything. (laughs) Why? What are they touching? Just keep them. How do you use the restroom, sir? Keep them clear of every. I'm touching everything.
2: You don't have to touch anything. Keep them on top of the shoes. Austin is a germaphobe, and I I, I understand it. Like, do you build a nest when you go into a public restroom? A nest?
4: (laughs) What? With the toilet paper? Uh, Yeah.
2: I bet you do, don't
4: I? Uh It depends on the restroom. Yeah, it depends. Oh.
2: All right. Anyway, we
4: got we digress
1: there. But good news, everybody. Wear your jeans to your heart's content. Stop washing your jeans. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Craig Bowler, Jack, is in the house. We'll talk uh, jazz with Bowler right around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want.
1: When you look at what Andy Ludwig did
2: in this game, he became worth every single penny that you're paying him. The adjustments that Ludwig made... The heart that the Utah leadership showed, the game that Tyler Huntley played, the game that Zach Moss played. Zach Moss fought for every inch that he earned. Every yard he gained was a hard-fought yard. This team, guys, this team deserves it, a shot. I'm telling you, it's got that kind of 4 feel to it right now. They deserve a shot, man. If they get to the end of the season without any more hiccups and face a one-loss Oregon team and they don't get the nod, we got to figure out how we're going to handle
0: it. It's just going to be criminal here in the the state. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.